I want to talk to you today about, very briefly, we're not going to be long, the nine blessings of the tithe. I've never actually preached this here before. I've preached it in other churches, but I think it's good for my church to hear it. And normally I take a full hour and 15 minutes to do this, and I share a bunch of verses, which I'm not going to do today for sake of time. But just as a way of introduction for just a minute or two, remember, I'm going to give you some scriptures, but I'm not going to read them. Normally I read them. But Leviticus 27.30 talks about that God owns the tithe and that it's holy that the tithe is not a seed, that the tithe is something he already owns that you return to him. So Leviticus 27.30, if you're writing notes, that's where it it says that God owns it. It's not a seed. It's returned, and it's a holy set-apart item. Uh, Genesis 14, verse 20, if you are writing notes, that that scripture is about Abraham that brought the tithe, which proves tithing is transdispensational. It's not of the law. It was also of the law. Moses, Moses instituted it, but it was long before the law. It is long after the law because it was in the time of David. And it's also in the New Testament. We read that this morning, Hebrews 7, 8. And if you study the book of Jeremiah and other scriptures in the thousand year reign of Christ, when we're in heaven and believers with mortal bodies are on the earth, there will be a tithe required of them every year to bring that tithe to Jerusalem where Jesus is standing there in person and he receives their tithe because he's still the high priest Amen. of our confession. Yes, Just because we're in a different dispensation in the thousand year reign of Christ, that's after the rapture, after the tribulation, after Armageddon, after all of that is ended and Jesus comes and lives in Jerusalem. He'll be living on the planet and all the television stations and satellites will be picking him. He'll be preaching to the whole world every week. And during that amazing time when we're here, we're in heaven, but we're also here. uh, During that time, he requires as the high priest for all the nations to bring their tithe to him. So this is the transdispensational aspect and that starts with Genesis 14 20. Now Malachi 3 9 to 10 if if you're writing notes as you know that's a famous scripture but that tells us where we're to bring it to the storehouse that's where we're fed and it gives us the rights that if we'll do that we can test God and demand that he uh, that he bless us and he doesn't mind us being aggressive with that because he told us to be aggressive with our expectation on that so that's there now for the next three verses Genesis 28 22 Genesis 31, 13, and Genesis 35, 1 to 3. These three scriptures is when Jacob was in Bethel and he's had the dream of the angels ascending and descending. And he says, if you will protect me, I will give you the tithe. That's a promise that he made. That's Genesis 28, 22. Then you will see later on, many years later in Genesis 31, 13, God does bless him. Remember Laban tries to steal and God keeps blessing everything that Jacob does. And all the cattle are being born to Jacob instead of to Laban. And as he's about to leave the, that season and come back to the land of his promised father, uh, God says to him in, in Genesis 31, 13, do you remember that you promised me that you would tithe? Yeah. I expect you to fulfill that promise. So all those years later, God remembered the promise to tithe. God does not forget it because why? It's covenant. It's not money. God don't need your money. It's a covenant act. And then you see in Genesis 35, 1 to 3, he fulfills the tithe and he sets up an altar and he presents offerings to God and he does tithe in Genesis 35. So there's a progression there of you can see somebody saying, Lord, Lord, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. In other words, if you you honor the covenant to me, I'll honor the covenant to you of tithing. God honors the covenant to him and he responds back by honoring the tithing covenant. You can see all that. Normally I go through all these scriptures, but for sake of time, I'm not. And then of course, uh, Exodus 23:19 and Exodus 34:26 both say a very weird thing and they say don't seethe the goat in its mother's milk 
but rather bring all the first fruits of the land and I'll bless you. What God was simply saying here is the world has a way of doing things that the the system of the world at that time, they were ungodly nations. They were worshiping idols and demons. And he was trying to say, don't go the world's way with prosperity. That's what these verses really mean. And what the world would do, it was very cruel, but but by demonic inspiration, these Canaanites and other nations, they would take a baby goat that had just been born. They would take the mother that was to feed and nourish that baby with her milk and they would get enough milk until they could fill a vat. Then they would boil that milk till it was boiling and throw the live baby goat into the boiling vat of milk and boil it alive to death. What they believed in their demonic religion was what should nourish and nurture is now going to kill. Then they believed the milk turned magic. It actually became magic milk. I know that sounds like a Dora the Explorer thing, but it's the truth. The the milk, they believed there were magical formulas and things in that milk because what was supposed to bring life brought death. They reversed the order of nature and they believed that the milk contained magical qualities. So they, what they would do is they'd take that vat and they would sprinkle it all over their vineyards, their trees, their fruit trees, their cornfields. They would sprinkle magic milk and they would release their faith in their gods to cause a great harvest. And what God is simply saying is, I forbid you to do these ungodly heathen practices because it's not about magic milk that makes you prosper. He says in that verse, if you read it, bring me the tithe and bring me the first fruits and I will make sure that I bless your land and I bless your crops and I bless your fields. What's God saying? The world has a way of doing it. Back then it was the cruel practice of boiling the gold. Today that's not the cruel practice, but today the world still has other systems that they're trying to get you to prosper. And it doesn't matter what generation or time you live, whether it's back then or today, the world has systems and ideas to get you to prosper. And God is simply saying, transgenerational, don't go with the world's way of doing things. The way I'm gonna bless you is you bring me the tithe. When you bring me the tithe, I bless you. Not through magic milk, not through multi-level marketing, not through whatever your current generation is trying to spout. The way you do it is through the tithe. That's how God blesses you. So those verses, normally, again, I would take more time, but today I'm not. And of course, Hebrews 7, 9, I already read it to you. Jesus receives the tithe from us as our high priest every time we tithe, not the money, but the honor and the worship of it. But you can't show the honor and worship without bringing money. So money is the natural realm side, and the honor and worship is the spiritual side of that coin. And we know that. Now, Exodus 13, 11, are you there? Exodus chapter 13, because I want to get to something. The reason I'm sharing this is because the Lord said to me about a month and a half ago, he said, my people are faithful in tithing. And I know he meant the people in this church. Now, I know not everybody tithes in this church, but hopefully after today, you're going to start. But I know 90% plus in this church tithe. And so I want you to know something that the Lord sees your faithfulness to this. And he said to me, the majority or, or the vast majority of my people at Promise of Life tithe. Now listen closely. Are you listening to me? If you're watching live stream, make sure you listen. He, he said something to me. That's why I'm preaching this today. And it doesn't take long to get out. That's why I can add it to our presentation because it's not a long sermon. But he said to me, my people, meaning Promise of Life, are faithful in their tithe. But he said there, there is a disconnect. 
And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, they don't believe in the blessings of their tithe. And if they would believe in the blessings of the tithe, the tithe would work more for them. Because people come to me all the time and say, Pastor, I tithe. I don't see any difference. That's because you don't believe the blessings of the tithe. And the Lord said, it's your job as the pastor to teach them. If they don't be taught, they don't know. Teach them the blessings of the tithe. It's not, God doesn't just want you to tithe. He wants you to be blessed because you tithe. And our heart is not, we don't do it to be blessed. We do it because we honor and love him. So we have to have the right motive. This is not an exchange out of covetousness. But God knows the heart and he knows that virtually all of you are not giving are not, not, we don't use the word giving. Giving is seed. Tithing is returning. God already owns it. You don't. God knows that your heart is to return what is his. Your heart is right. You're not doing it to get something. But God in his mercy and in his benevolence and in his grace, he wants you to understand that even though you're doing it not from the perspective of, I want you to do something for me, he actually wants to do something for you. That's why in Malachi, he says, demand of me that I will do something for you. He wants us to not just be faithful in tithing. He wants us to stand bold and claim the blessings of the tithe. And if you will do it aggressively, it, for lack of a better word, it works like magic. Sure it does. We don't believe in no magic milk. But we believe in the, we believe in the power and the supernatural ability of the tithe. Really, magic is supernatural in the demonic realm. So I don't like to use that word. But really, when I say it works like magic, we could really say it works supernaturally. Yes. It really does work supernaturally. And I've noticed an increase. My brothers and sisters, listen to me. I'm just like you from that perspective. I still tithe personally. We tithe as a church. But I still bring my tithes and offerings just like you bring your tithes and offerings to this church. And I've noticed that as I've started to focus on this more, I'm actually starting to see blessings increase in my life because it will work for me as easy as it works for you, as easy as it will work for somebody in another church. This will work for a poor pastor in Africa that's got nothing and that takes a part of his shoelace and puts it in the offering plate. It doesn't matter the the, the dollar value or that kind of stuff. When you take a tenth of what you've got and you honor God with it and you release your faith in the blessings, God will move heaven and earth to get to you. And I want to encourage you on this. Now, Exodus, what did I say? Exodus chapter 13, verse 11. Are you there? Exodus chapter 13. Amen. Exodus 13, 11. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee and, and to thy fathers, and shall give it to thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord. Oh, now, we're already in that land of Canaan because we're saved. Okay? It represents salvation. For them, it represented the land of promise. For us, it represents salvation. All that openeth the matrix. Matrix means womb. So you need to set apart all that comes out of the womb. That opens the matrix means the firstborn that comes out of the womb, the firstborn. And every firstling, that's the firstborn, that cometh of a beast which you have. The males shall be the Lord's. Not what God is talking about is the tithe. Remember, the first tenth is the tithe of the land, the crops, Leviticus 27, but the first of the, of the cattle is also the Lord's. This is referring to the tithe. And every firstling of a donkey you shall redeem. Now, why does it say that? What does redeem mean? It means you should buy it back. Why could they not offer the donkey as a tithe? Because a donkey is unclean and God cannot touch an unclean thing. 
So there were certain animals that were unclean animals and certain animals that were clean animals. But donkeys were used regularly and it was part of their monetary system. They would sell these animals for money and different things. So God says, when it comes to the unclean animal, and it doesn't just refer to donkey, any unclean animal that is being produced on your sphere of influence, you can't offer that to me because it's unclean. But what you're going to do is you're going to buy back that donkey with something that is clean and you're going to sacrifice the clean thing. Are you, are you listening? Yeah. You understanding? So it says, if the firstling of the donkey, you will redeem it with a lamb because the lamb is clean. And if you will not redeem it, let's say you don't have a lamb to redeem the donkey with, to buy back the donkey with, you have to kill the donkey. Mm-hmm. Notice why? Because the first belongs yeah. to God. And if you touch the first, a curse will come on you. That's why he said you're all cursed with a curse because you've touched the tithe. That's in Malachi 3. So God's saying if you don't have something to buy back the unclean animal, you've got to break the neck of the unclean animal because you can't use it because it's mine. Are you understanding how serious God takes this? Don't think this is different in the New Testament. This is the same. It's just the, 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 the way that we look at it is different in the New Testament. But God's, God's, God's aggression about this is the same. Now, he says, if you don't, you'll have to break its neck and all the, watch all the firstborn of man among thy children. That means when you have a baby, you will redeem because he didn't want you to be like the Canaanites sacrificing children in the fire. So he says, buy your child back with a lamb, but the first is still mine. So if you have a son, that son is mine, but I don't want you to kill the son. I want you to buy it back and kill the lamb. You see, it's all talking about the tithe. Are you with me? Watch verse 14. And it shall be when your son asks you, because the next generation wants to keep their money. The next generation don't want to sacrifice to God. No generation wants to, unless you've been taught. When it comes to pass, your son asks thee in the time to come, saying, what is this? Why are we doing this tithe thing? Why are we giving him the first? That you will say unto him, this is, I'm proving this to you, how it's New Testament doctrine. Even though this is Old Testament, it proves it's new. By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go, that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Watch this statement. Therefore, therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that opens the womb being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. (laughs) Do you hear what he's saying? God brought us out of bondage by striking down the firstborn of Egypt. We are free because Egypt's firstborn died. Therefore, I take the first of my life. My children I redeem with animals. My animals, if they're clean, I take the first of what God, God set me free by striking down the first. Therefore, because I'm free, and I'm in the land flowing with milk and honey. I take my first and I present it as a tithe unto the Lord. Now, if in an Old Testament with a lesser covenant, lesser promises, lesser blood of animals, in an old covenant with a shadow and, a, and, and, and just a type, if they said, I came out of bondage by Pharaoh's first being struck down, the king's son was struck down and it set a nation free. Notice Pharaoh didn't let him go. Pharaoh would not let him go until his firstborn died. That is all part of God's master plan. Because God was wanting to show them, you are free because a king's son died. Now sacrifice yours. Why? The covenant demands similar sacrifice. That's what covenant is all about. 
Now, can you put you this in the New Testament? Now, here we are, far greater than the old. We're not just in a physical land called Egypt. We're in a spiritual land called darkness and the kingdom of hell. We were lost in darkness, the Bible says. What did God do? The same principle in the new that he did in the old, but much greater. In the old, he took the king's son and he struck him down. In the new, God took his own son and he struck down his firstborn. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him. God in the New Testament, do you understand the type? And now this is the reality. That is the shadow. We have the substance of what they had a shadow of. They had a physical land, Pharaoh. We have a spiritual land called sin and darkness and the kingdom of darkness and hell. They had a physical king that struck God, struck down. God struck down the king's son. Now God's saying, I am the king, not just Pharaoh. I strike down my only son, not just some little kid, Jesus the Christ. And because I strike him down, I bring you out of the land of bondage like I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Because I struck Jesus down and you receive that sacrifice with the communion, you are now born again, translated into the kingdom of light. Do you understand we have the substance of what they only dreamed about? And if they in a lesser covenant said, therefore, I will strike down my first to honor my God who set me free. How could a New Testament Christian ever in their right mind say the tithe is not for this covenant? Because what God did for me was greater than what he did for them. He brought me out of darkness and translated me into light. And he struck down Jesus to do it. And I say to my sons, therefore, because he, the great king, struck down Jesus, his precious and only begotten son, therefore, to honor that act of of covenant between father and son, to honor it, I take the best of what I have, the first of what I have. I take the first and the best and the tithe and I strike it down. And I say, Father, here is what you own. Here is this precious holy tithe. It represents my covenant. It represents Jesus' sacrifice. When you don't tithe, you insult the cross. And that's why the devil is fighting this. That's why stupid preachers I won't say the name, but I could. God already told me this morning. You can say it if you want, but I won't. But the stupid preacher from Atlanta who was deceived by doctrines of demons, who was telling people to throw out books that are speaking the truth, that is a church of a large number, but he was deceived earlier. He got repent, then he received again. Now he's deceived even further. Do not watch him. You'll get in trouble with God. That is why there is an assault from hell against the tithe. Because when you don't honor the covenant that Jesus wrought in his own body by striking down your best, because God struck down his best, you actually insult the cross. And the Satan loves Christians insulting the cross out of ignorance. They weren't told to witness to the world and have a great commission. We are told to evangelize the world. 
It is more for this covenant than it ever was for that covenant, both in the natural money needed, but more than that, for the spiritual law that it represents. God struck down his best. How dare I take the first and put it in my pocket for groceries? That first represents the holy covenant that I have with Jesus because he was struck down that I would be saved. And I have an obligation to take that first and that best and that holy thing and say, Jesus, I give this to you. Present it to the Father. Father, I have covenant. You struck down your best so I would be free. I give you my best and I thank you for setting me free. Are you with me? Are you with me? That revelation alone is enough. It is more than enough. If God were to tell us, I will not bless you, help you, or do anything for you if you tithe. I'll only do it with the offerings. Because the tithe is mine, and you rats better give it to me because you don't understand what this symbolizes. It symbolizes your freedom. If God said that, it would be fine with me. Because he set me free from hell. And that is the greatest gift that he can ever give me is eternal life with him in heaven. If he did nothing on this earth, but just say, you're out of hell. You're out of an eternity in hell. You're out of hell on earth and you're out of hell in hell. You're in this life, got heaven and earth. And in that life, you've got heaven and heaven. If that's all it was, it would be more than enough for me. But in his abundant mercy and in his extravagant grace, he says to us, hold it. It's not enough that I give you heaven on earth and then heaven in heaven. I want to give. It's not enough that, let me rephrase. It's not enough that you don't have hell on earth. But you have heaven in heaven. It's not enough for me. Because I do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask. So what I'm going to do, if you do this, it's, it's enough for you just to do it, to not be in hell and be in heaven. But because I'm so beyond in my extravagance, I'm going to, if you do it, I'm going to do something far beyond just giving you a free pass from hell and giving you a free entrance into heaven. If you do this act of tithing, it represents the covenant of salvation, but it's enough that I don't even have to bless you. But because I love you, I'm going to make sure that I bless your proverbial socks off if you do it, which I don't need, but I'm going to do it because I'm the good God. Are you listening? And this is where we find ourselves in Deuteronomy 6. It's 12.04. I need nine minutes. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 4. He didn't have to, Deanne. It was enough to give me heaven. But he says, not for me. I want you to have heaven on earth as well as heaven in heaven. And this is the blessings of the tithe. You have rights as a tither. And I'm so fed up with people just giving and tithing and just, "Ah." no, you need to stand and say, I have rights. I stand on the blessings of my divine covenant. God didn't have to give it to me, but he did because he's good. And I'm not going to read the whole because of time, but I'm just going to go to the different verses. Put the first one up, Lear. Let me read verse two. You shall not add. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. 
That's it. That thou mightest reverence the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which includes this. And later in this chapter, it talks about telling your sons in times to come, about opening the matrix. All that stuff repeats in this chapter. So we know it's talking about the tithe because they say it later in the chapter. He says, you must reverence the Lord to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command that you do. You and your sons and your sons' sons. Down the generations. Remember when your son asks you? Down the generation. Watch now. And if you do this, he says, do this that your days may be prolonged. This is the first promise of the tither, that you will have prolonged life. And in the Hebrew, this re it repeats it later again, but the emphasis in the Hebrew for the first reference is talking about health and healing that he will cause health and healing to give you a long life. Oh my God, that's a, that alone, if that's where the list ended, that would be enough. Now the next one, put the next one up please. That it may be well with you. This is the second promise of the tither. Verse two, it says that it may be well with you on all your days. Verse three says, hear there, O Israel, and observe to do it. What? Observe to do the tithe. That it may be well with you. That it may be well with you. That word well in the Hebrew, it means happy, sound, and successful. What is God saying? You tithe, claim that you'll be happy. Claim you'll be successful and claim that you'll be sound of mind. No schizophrenia, no mental torment in my family. I'm a tither. No sickness in my family. I live long. I've got health. I've got soundness of mind. I'm happy. No depression in my family. I'm a tither. I've got joyful, happy children. I'm serious. I take this seriously. No failure in my family. I'm a success. Why? Because I have covenant. How do I show my covenant? With my holy tithe. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Number four, number three, number three, please. And it says there that it will be well with you and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee in the land that flows with milk and honey. My God, in the Hebrew, the word increase mightily in the land that flows with milk and honey. It means to vehemently enlarge and excel. Not just enlarge, but vehemently enlarge. Aggressively excel. That means the power of God propels you forward. This is part, I got, guys, I got this on my phone. I've been meditating on it. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, why aren't you telling your church? I've been meditating on it, but I'm not teaching you. I've taught other churches, but I don't know why, but I'm doing it today. That you may increase mightily, vehemently enlarge and excel. This is the promise for the tither, Jenny. If you're not, get in on it. You're missing out. Number four and it says, verse 11, 10 and 11. Let me read you verse 10 and 11. And it says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee, that he will give thee great and goodly cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and wells dig which you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Oh, my God. <laughs> my Lord, that you may eat and be full. 
Number four, God has given you great and goodly cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, wells which you did not dig, and vineyards which you did not plant, that you would be full. That you would be full. That you would be full. Not empty. I should have put that up. I missed that part. We'll probably reprint this another time or on the download. Maybe we'll send it on the download. But I missed that last part. It should say plant dot, 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 that you would be full. God's given me stuff to be full. There's no emptiness in my house. Now, what if there is some emptiness? Well, then I start saying, there's no emptiness in my house. What if I don't have the couch that I want? There's no emptiness in my house. He gives me stuff that I don't even dig, that I don't plant, that I don't feel, that I don't. He just gives me stuff. I inherit stuff. People just give stuff to me. Because I'm a tither and the covenant demands that I'm full. If you, if you work it, this works. Hallelujah. What's number five? Verse 18. Let me read it to you. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord. That's talking about the covenant, obeying it and tithing. And it may be well with thee and that you go in and possess the good land, which I swear unto your fathers, that you may go in and possess. That's a promise for me. The word possess in Hebrew means occupy. God has said to me, where I place you in that company that you work for, occupy. That doesn't mean you boss people around and try to cause anarchy and chaos. But what it means is you have his place. You take your stand and you say, Father, I expect promotion. I expect more responsibility. I expect the boss to look at me and go, I don't know what it is about you, but you've got wisdom that I've never seen before. I need you to help me. That's called occupying. I have, I have a right to go in and possess and occupy not a poor land, a good land. Not a poor company, a good company. Not a poor neighborhood, a good neighborhood. If there's crime in your neighborhood, occupy. Just take a stand in the spirit and say, you're not welcome devils here anymore. My rest of my neighbors are blessed because I'm here and they don't even know it. But I take my stand. This is a good land. I possess it. And I say, you're not welcome to vandalize and steal in this neighborhood anymore. And you'll see crime will go down in your neighborhood. Crime may go up in the other neighborhoods, but it will go down in your neighborhood. Because you have a right as a tither to possess and occupy. My God, number six. Number six is verse 19. And to cast out all thine enemies from before thee. <laughs> Devils are enemies. Sickness is enemies. COVID is enemies. Weird neighbors that are demon possessed are enemies. People that have taken a slight against you are enemies. We don't attack them. We attack the devil that's controlling them. And I have a right against the enemies of my salvation against all forms of sickness, all forms of danger, all forms of terrorism, all forms of anything that is considered an enemy as a tither, they will go before me. My brothers and sisters, claim this. Claim it and it will work for you. What's the next one? We're almost done. Don't get tired. Number seven, verse 24. Let me read it to you. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to reverence the Lord. This is my favorite one. Our God for our good always. I say this one particular one, number seven. I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of them, praise God. But I say number seven every single day of my life. It's my favorite one out of all the nine. I obey and reverence the Lord. Because when you obey, you show him reverence. That's right. 
The beginning of wisdom is reverence, the proverb says. I obey and reverence the Lord. I'm doing it with my tithe, but in other areas as well. And what, what happens to me? It is for our good always. I say, Father, when I tithe, it's for my family's good always. When my church tithes, it's for my church's good always. Not some of the time, always. Not bad, not mediocre. It is for my good always. Do you understand when you tithe, it's for your good. It's for your good. The world looks at you like you're crazy. Why would you give that money away? You look at them like they're crazy because you have no idea what covenant is. You're a fool. All you've got is you and your smarts. I hope you make it because you probably won't. I have a covenant with the creator of the universe. Through the blood of Jesus, I am brought in. And one of the acts of the covenant, not the only, but one of them is I bring him the holy tithe. And because I do that, I have rights. And it is for my good. It is for my good that I tithe. It is not just for the church's good. It is for my good. And it's for my good always. When I write my tithe check at my office, because I do that for my family, I'm, I'm, I do the accounting. And when I write that tithe check and I say P-O-L-C, and then I'm writing the, dog, the numbers, and then you have to write out, I'm still old school, I like checks. I know you don't, but I do. And I'm writing out that lo- th- those words, 500 or 1,000 or 30 or whatever it is. As I'm writing that, I say, I do this for my good always. For my good always. I obey for my good always. My family will always have good. Because God promised me, and if that doesn't work, then God's a liar. And he's not a liar. But you've got to believe in the blessings, not just the act of tithing. Number eight, that he may preserve or keep us alive. You know what the Hebrew actually says? I almost dropped my my thing when I read it. You know what it says in the Hebrew? That he will give you his promise of life. That's what it says in the Hebrew. I couldn't believe it. What it's saying, let me read that scripture. What verse is that? 24? And it says, and the Lord will command us to do all these things to fear the Lord for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. But the word preserve us alive or keep us alive in the Hebrew means he will keep you alive or he will give you his promise that you will live. Oh, wow. He keeps his promise that you will have life. In other words, he keeps his promise of life. That has extra special meaning to me. But in the Hebrew, Taylor, this word, see the first one says prolonged life. The eighth one says he'll keep you alive. That's prolonged life. But the first one speaks more of healing and health. The last one speaks more of divine protection. I'm not ever going down in a plane. I'm never, not ever going to be beaten up or killed or shot in a drive-by shooting. You know why? Because I'm a tither. You need to get that renewed your mind. You'll stop being afraid so much. I don't worry about going to a bank and something happening or some guy's got a gun or something happening in a dark alley or in Africa. I don't concern myself because I'm a tither. And he said, he will keep me alive. He will divinely protect me no matter what. That's part of my covenant. It was enough just to get into heaven and look at all the promises he's given us. And lastly, the last verse says, It says, and this shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments that the Lord has commanded us. Now listen, let me get this straight for you. I wrote this down because it's still a promise. I tell the Lord, Father, I'm a tither. 
and I'm living right. I'm living right. It is righteous to tithe. Now, let me help you divide the scripture so you don't get confused. In the Old Testament, this verse says that tithing and obeying the law was to them as righteousness. The Bible says it was counted, obedience was counted to them as righteousness. So Abraham made it into paradise, not because Jesus died, but because he obeyed. And when he obeyed, God said, it's as if you're righteous. You're not because animal blood can't really cover your sin. I mean, it can cover, but it can't remove your sin. But you are made righteous because of your obedience. Now in the New Testament, tithing does not make you righteous. Are you understanding me? You cannot take this verse, which is Old Testament, and apply it to the New. They said by, oh, by doing this, it be, we are become righteous. But I am not righteous because I tithe. I am righteous through the blood of Jesus. So I am righteous in Christ. I am the righteousness of God by Christ. But let me tell you something. Just because you're made righteous through the blood, does that mean that after you've been made righteous and you're born again, that you shouldn't pursue right living? It's called the paths of righteousness because the pursuit of righteousness or holiness or consecration means right living. So I've got two scriptures there for you, one in 1 John 2.29 and one in 2 Timothy 2.22. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to very briefly read them to you. Would that be okay? And it says in 1 John 2.29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. The King James says, everyone that does righteousness. That means when you already are righteous, you are to still do what is righteous. Are you with me? You can't live like the devil, even though you're righteous. We're not tithing because it makes us righteous. We're righteous in Jesus, but we're tithing because it's right. Are you listening? And then the next one is 2 Timothy 2.22. And it says, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. Faith, love, peace, and those who call upon the Lord of the pure heart. So we are told to pursue and do and practice right living. Even though, Joe, I am totally clean by the blood, I still have to live in a way that pleases God. And what God, now in the Old Testament, they weren't clean by the blood. So by tithing, it made them clean. For me, my tithing doesn't make me clean. I'm already clean. But my tithing is an act of righteousness. So I tell God, Father, it's not just the other eight blessings. When I do this tithing thing, I'm right. I'm already righteous, but I'm living right. And your word tells me in Matthew 6, that if I would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, living right and doing right, all these things would be added unto me. Father, I'm a tither. I have prolonged life through healing. I'm a tither. I will be well, happy, sound, and successful in my family. I'm a tither. I have a right to increase mightily and vehemently enlarge and excel. I'm a tither, and you've given me things that I don't even deserve and that I have had nothing to do with. You've given me cities I have not built, houses I have not filled, wells and vineyards I have not dug or planted, and I am full, not empty. That I may go in and possess and occupy and take my stand for a good land. That my enemies would be cast out before you. I tithe because it's always for my good. And that you would keep me alive and give me your promise of long life through divine protection. And Father, I do all of this because it's right. 
And you said, when I live right, I already am right, but when I live right, all things would be added unto me. So Father, when I tithe, all things will be added unto me because it's right to tithe. My brother and sister, it is more for today than it ever was for them. Because they had the type and shadow of Pharaoh and the son. We have the substance and the reality of that type and shadow with the father and his son. And if they were to give their best for a lesser thing, how much more do I give my best of my best of my best of my best for my precious Jesus? I'm not paying for salvation. I'm showing honor for what he's done through the holy tithing covenant. And and we're going to give, pass them out. If you've got them, ushers, please, right now. Notice on the card, would you read the card? Uh, Look down at the card, please. You notice the the quote there by Pastor Nancy? Tithing separates you from the world system and from the lack of money. I want to be separate from that stupid system that doesn't really work. And I want, I don't want to lack anymore. Now, can you also remember, you look at the bottom left section. I wanted to put these things there because it's not just about the blessing, although it is about the blessing, but I want you to remember these things. This is all from Deuteronomy 6 as well. Can you look at number one with me? What is your motive? Out of all of this blessing, blessing talk, what is the number one thing we need to remember? That we love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. My do this out of love for him, not because of the blessings. Number two, it says in verse six, keep his word in your heart. That's why I've written out these promises so that you will keep it before your eyes and keep it in your heart. In other words, meditate on his word. What's number three? This is important. Teach it to your children. You know how blessed I was a while ago? Cole had a birthday. He got some gifts and stuff for people. And without me saying a word to him, he came up into my office and he said, daddy, here's my tithe. He didn't, I didn't ask him. I didn't say you should. But, you, but I have taught him. But you see, he's getting it on his own now. Teach the next generation. If you don't teach, they don't know. Teach them. This is, this is important in addition to the blessings. What is the motive of our heart? Not just the blessings. The motive is our love for God. The motive is to guard, put his word in our heart and meditate on it. The motive is teach our children. Watch number four. The Bible says in verse seven, talk about it when you sit in your house. Do you ever talk about the blessing of God when you sit at dinner? Or do you only talk about it at church? If you want this to work for you, you've got to talk about it at home. Sit with your family. It says, when you sit in your house, talk about it. When you walk around, talk about it. When you lie down and when you rise up, talk about it. Let me ask you, congregation, do you talk about the blessing and the promises at the table? Or do you only talk about nonsense social media and what you've heard on the news? I'm not trying to be religious. I'm saying talk about whatever you want to talk about. But if there's never a place in your conversation... For the blessing of the Lord and for what God has promised and to as a family say, you know what guys, this is what God's word says. I believe it. What do you think about that son? What do you think about that wife? I'm staying. Talk about it at your table. Talk about it when you're walking around. As you're lying down on a verge to go to sleep, start talking about the covenant. When you wake up, don't the first thing, think about your email. Start talking about the covenant. See, if you love him and if it's in your heart, and you're teaching your kids and you're talking about it all the time. These nine things will work for you. They work for you more. And what's the last thing? Number five, it's verse 
Technically, it's verse. I don't know why the, I didn't put the verse. I apologize. It is verse number 24 there. But it's obey all the instructions in his word in order to reverence him. Reverence is the beginning of all the blessings. Reverence him. When you meditate, you reverence him. When you teach your children, you, med- you reverence him. When you, when, you, when you lie down and wake up and walk and talk and sit and talk about it, you're reverencing him. Do you understand? We need to learn to reverence God more. He's worthy of our reverence. He's worthy of our conversation. He's worthy of teaching our children. He's worthy of our meditation in our heart. If you'll do that and then you keep these nine things before God, like I've been doing and saying, Father, I have rights. If you didn't mean it, you shouldn't have put it in your word. But I'm just dumb enough or smart enough, whichever the case is, to just trust you. You promised in a less, this is lesser covenant. How much more do I have a right for this today, Greg? This is lesser covenant. How much more do I have a right for it today? This will work today better than it did for them. Because this is through now a better covenant through the blood of Jesus, not the blood of bulls and goats. Hallelujah. Take this home with you. Put it on your fridge. Meditate on it. Teach your children. Talk about it. Reverence God. Love him with all your heart. And you'll see these things will start to come to pass for you. Heavenly Father, you said to me two months ago, why aren't you teaching your people about the blessings of tithing? It's not just that they tithe. It's that they stand and believe me for the blessings associated with the tithe. Well, Lord, I found nine blessings just in this one chapter and there's others in other verses. But just in this one book, this one chapter of Deuteronomy 6, we see nine listed. And so I thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that our congregation doesn't just tithe, but they start to aggressively demand the blessings of the tithe to show up in their lives. And as they do it, that angel that works with them will go and cause this prosperity and this abundance and all this promises. It will cause those angels will assist them in their prosperity. According to Psalm 35, 27 and Psalm 103, verse 21, those angels help with our prosperity. According to Genesis 24, 40, those angels help us with our prosperity. So I thank you as they claim these these promises, those angels listen to the word that they speak and they hearken to the voice of that word and they go and they do things that this congregation cannot do. Those angels assist them in that spiritual realm. And Lord, I thank you for every family in this church. If they will start to meditate on this, teach their children, talk about it all the time, reverence you and love you and claim these blessings and continue to bring the holy tithe. I thank you, Father. We're going to see families explode and vehemently excel and increase. And I give you praise. Businesses will increase. Homes will increase. Jobs will increase. Promotions will increase. Raises will increase. Uh, Unexpected supply from unexpected sources will increase. Witty ideas and inventions will increase. New businesses will be born and increase. This is the promise in the new covenant of the tither. And we give you praise and glory for it. I thank you, Jesus. Bless these precious and wonderful people. And I thank you that they have a safe and wonderful week until I see them the next time we're at church. In Jesus' name, everyone be blessed. I sure do love you.